Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Super excited to have you here today. And I want to tell you about some thoughts that have been going on through my mind as it relates to our beliefs about our business and the way that we approach it. Now, in last week's episode, episode number 584, I shared one of my affirmations, one of my thoughts that I condition my mind with on a consistent basis so that I intentionally remember that I will not focus on what I don't want to have happen. Instead, I am committed to focusing on what I do want to have happen. And in last week's episode, I shared that I was working with a student, teaching them the step-by-step process for building a profitable online business. And one of those steps is this idea of validating your product or service before you go through the whole process of spending weeks or months or sometimes, in many cases, it's years of building this thing before you know if anybody's actually going to pay for it. Now, I want you to understand that after I released that episode and I had some time to reflect about how I shared what I shared, I'm like, I wonder if I should add some sort of addendum (laughs) You know, it's something at the end of that episode to give some disclaimer that what I'm talking about here is just a part, you know, I I shared step seven of an 11-step formula. And taken out of context, you might be thinking, well, Cliff's just suggesting, hey, before you go and create a workshop or before you go create a conference, before you actually do any work to prepare for it, Just go put a sales page up and see if somebody will buy it, and then you can make it afterwards. That's almost what I'm saying, but it's not quite. See, one of the things that I realized after I published that episode is that I didn't really share with you the earlier steps in the process. Now, you can go to mindsetanswerman.com slash formula, mindsetanswerman.com slash formula, and you can go and listen to an entire podcast episode of this podcast that walks you through step-by-step exactly what my 11-step formula is. And if you were to do that, you will notice that I talk about creating an inventory of what you bring to the table asking yourself, where is it that I'm adding value to people's lives? What are my gifts, my talents, my areas of expertise? And also in other sessions of my Building an Online Business Workshop and online course now, I also teach potential income streams. And my recommendation has always been, and recently I had Amy Porterfield on here, and I, we talked about my recommendation for those who want to build an online course or people who want to create a workshop that will, people will attend or a conference that, will, that people will attend. 
my recommendation is that before you go through the process of creating anything like that, that you devote a little bit of time invested in one-on-one coaching. So see if you can get individuals one-on-one to hire you to coach them through whatever process you would teach in your course or whatever process you would teach in your live workshop or your conference. And that, for me personally, I've always been of the opinion that the more of those that you can do, the more people you can work with, the greater feel that you will have for what the average person in your target audience needs to understand that you take for granted. Uh, For example, uh, one story that I love to give a lot is where I had an electrical engineer who hired me for one-on-one coaching on how to set up all this podcast gear. And it turned out that by the end of our call together, I, I felt like, man, we've tried everything. I think you have a defective mixer. I think we're going to have to send this back and I'll send you a new mixer. And he emails me an hour and a half later and says, Cliff, I found out, he says, you're going to laugh at me, but it turns out that I was getting ready to put everything away, pack it all back in the box. But then I realized that the mixer was never plugged into the wall. Now, my assumption is that I knew that I was working with an electrical engineer, and I never once thought to ask him, is the power light on? But now I can tell you through that experience of working with somebody one-on-one and having spent almost an entire hour trying to troubleshoot his mixer problem, and then to learn that it was the fact that he didn't have it plugged into the wall... Every time I ever created a digital tutorial from that point forward, I always made sure to show plugging the mixer into the wall, and I say, okay, now that we have the mixer plugged in, go ahead and turn the power switch on. Do not move any further until you see that the green LED power light is on. But this is what I'm talking about. Spending time, investing time, working with people one-on-one. I know it's not scalable. It's not recommended by a lot of people, but I have always found value. Before I go create a course for a group of people or a large number of people as an online course or whatever the case may be, I'd like to test that out by teaching people one-on-one to make sure that I'm not going to skip things that think that the average person needs to know just because I happen to assume that everyone knows to make sure that they've plugged their mixer into the wall. I mean, I, I, it's crazy, but you would, I mean, these are extreme examples, but there are some not so extreme examples that I promise you are seemingly just as common sense as those things. But these are things that we simply take for granted. These are things that we've always known these things. And other people, well, they need a little bit more hand-holding through the process. So when I said in episode 584, and when I was working with my student, I gave an example of the Next Level Workshop for building an online business. And I explained how, you know, I put the date on the calendar, I created the sales page, With three weeks before the event, I had six people sign up. And through this process, I I mentioned that I made sure to validate the product, making sure that people were willing to pay for this before I went through the process of creating the slides, the actual 
full out everything, completely laid out content for that day and a half workshop. And I even mentioned that in that particular case, I had started setting up the slides on Monday and I worked on the slides and the outline and the schedule and everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then I delivered that content Friday and Saturday. Now, what I didn't tell you guys, but I did tell my student that I was working with, is the fact that that was not the first time I'd ever taught that material. That material wasn't made up on the spot. You see, for more than a decade, I had been working with people on launching a podcast. People would come to me and said, Cliff, I want to hire you to help me to launch a podcast. And when I asked people the most important question, tell me, why are you creating a podcast? More than half of those people said, Cliff, because I want to do what you did. I want to create content, build an audience, and hopefully one day monetize this so that I can create a business on my own so that I can escape the day job. And I said, great to know that. Let me tell you what I would have done differently if I had to start all over again. Now, these people had already hired me for four weeks of podcast coaching and consulting, but what I want to tell you is that in the 10 years, more than 10 years that I spent as a podcast coaching consultant, what I was doing through that process, a majority of the time, or over half of the time, I was mentoring and coaching people one-on-one through the step-by-step process of building an online business. Now, as I was working with them one-on-one, they were asking me very specific questions. I was giving them very detailed and specific answers to each of those questions. As the most common questions came in, I eventually was smart enough to create a little bit of a knowledge-based resource of mine where I had the most commonly asked questions and I had my pre-created copy and paste responses to the most common questions. I even created some brief seven to 10 minute videos answering some of those most common questions. So I had a decade of teaching people and also resources to turn to. So For me, knowing that, okay, it's Monday and I have to deliver this content on Friday, I already knew that had I not had any slides whatsoever, I could teach the 11-step formula for building a profitable and successful business. I knew that I could actually do my thoughts on email marketing. I knew that I could instantly do a a session on the common characteristics of those who succeed in business. I knew that I could do an entire session on the power of the mastermind group and why you need to upgrade your peer group. I knew that I could, in an instant, do a session on how to grow your audience or actually what I call how to attract your ideal customer. I knew that I could do an entire session on potential income streams. I knew that in a heartbeat, I could do, here's my thoughts on pricing and money. You know, it's like these these things have been things that I have taught over and over again, like spent thousands of hours working with people over the course of more than a decade. And so I wanted to follow up on last week's episode and say, hey, I didn't just come up with an idea and say, I wonder if anybody will buy this, and if they buy it, then I'll find some way to create something out of nothing. 
That's not what I'm talking about. For me, it's not just about making the sale. It is making sure that before I even think about validating a product, I have to know in my heart that I am absolutely confident that number one, I can deliver on my promise, and number two, that I want to deliver on my promise, all right? So this is so important, and the only reason why I'm making such a point to come here in episode 585 is because of two documentaries I watched this past weekend after releasing episode 584. Have you guys heard of the Fire Festival? (laughs) The fiasco that happened to this internet startup company that decided to create a music festival and it absolutely went it went tragic so here here's what i'll read to you from uh, wikipedia fire festival was a music festival scheduled to take place on the bohemian island of great exuma over two weekends in april and may of 2017 There's a little bit of a caveat to that. If you know the full story, you know that the actual festival was not supposed to happen on the island of Great Exuma, which, by the way, my wife and I have vacationed on Great Exuma before, and it is a gorgeous island if you go to one of the resorts, Uh, but this festival was not held at one of the resorts. I have fond memories of Great Exuma, but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millennials that quite frankly did not, they do not have wonderful memories of their experience at Great Exuma. Anyway, the original idea was the the founder of Fire Festival, uh, which is Billy McFarland. He had this idea of using this private island, Pablo something. He was a drug lord and and it was his his special private island, and they had arranged to where they were going to buy this island. And the uh, one of the stipulations is like, listen, I, I, it may have been Pablo Escobar, but anyway, the only stipulation or one of the stipulations is like, you can buy our island and you can use this island. The only thing is, is you must not mentioned that the name Pablo Escobar or something like that. And then, of course, they create this amazing commercial to promote and market this high-end luxury vacation getaway in the Bahamas on a private island. And, of course, they make a huge point uh, out of the fact that this is the private island, island previously owned by Pablo Escobar. And of course, as soon as the promo video went out and it went out pretty big, then all of a sudden there's like, hey, we told you you couldn't say this name. You're off the island. You can't use it. And now they've got a lot of interest in this fire festival and now they have no island. And that's the beginning of the issues that they ran into. Anyway, let me finish reading some of this. It says, organized by Fire Media founder Billy McFarland and rapper Ja Rule as a luxury music festival to promote the Fire Music booking app. The event was promoted on Instagram by social media influencers, including socialite and model Kendall Jenner, model Bella Hadid, model and actress Emily 
Ratajkowski, and other media personalities, many of whom did not initially disclose that they had been paid to promote this event. During the Fire Festival's inaugural weekend, the event experienced problems related to security, food, accommodations, and artist relations. That's putting it quite mildly. After some attendees had arrived, finding tents and prepackaged sandwiches instead of the luxury villas and gourmet mills that had been promised when they had paid thousands of dollars for admission. Anyway, it this was insane to hear about this story. I remember hearing about this through the various different tech podcasts and social media related podcasts and business and marketing related podcasts that I listened to back when this was going on in April of 2017. This was major news everywhere. So so maybe you heard about it, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, I encourage you just for the purpose of just, I, I think it's an educational investment to watch not just one, but both of these documentaries that were made about the fiasco that was the Fire Festival. Now, I want to share with you real quickly the order in which I watched these documentaries. I first watched the Netflix original Fire, the greatest party that never happened. And I will tell you that, by the way, both of these are have very mature themes. Anyway, I watched the Netflix original first, and I'm glad I did because it was a better produced documentary overall. And it gave you a really clear picture of just how this thing went down. And the entire story is narrated and told in such a way that it really builds towards the actual event itself and just how terrible things went. Then over on Hulu, there's a Hulu original and it's called Fire Fraud. And here's their description. Fire Fraud is a true crime comedy uh, exploring a fail, a true client. I don't see comedy in this at all. I am sorry. I don't get the comedy part. Anyway, but there, this is their description on Hulu. A true crime comedy exploring a failed music festival turned internet meme at the nexus of social media influence, late stage capitalism, and the morality in the post-truth era. Here's what I want to do. First and foremost, I want to play for you an audio clip that I put together. I personally spent some time going through both the Netflix original and the Hulu original. I recorded like 10 total minutes of various different spots from both documentaries, and I created a two and a half minute montage to give you a feel for what's shared in these documentaries. If any investors had really done any real sort of research, they would have realized that there's not really much infrastructure here. So they would have to create all the infrastructure. We were looking at a year of planning and and construction. You don't buy an island in February to then host a party in April. That is an impossible thing to do. Every day we met, every day we would talk about, okay, should we pull the plug or should we keep this thing going? And every day Billy would say, we can't pull the plug. We've got to keep this thing going. You can't have people come like this is not going to work. And verbatim, it's like, if you want to leave, you can leave. If you're not going to leave, like we're here to find solutions. And I would step outside, 
right after each meeting, literally go out on the porch and burst into tears. The atmosphere that was cultivated there was that nobody, nobody, no matter what, was able to cross them and tell them no. They had told investors who had already given money that in the event of a cancellation that they would be covered when in fact they weren't. And they didn't have festival insurance, so canceling really wasn't an option. I could say I'm scared. I could say this is dangerous. It won't change anything because the festival has to happen. And so they didn't cancel the festival. But what happened is people I knew you know, started buying GA passes. But what I think Billy figured out very quickly was that he was not going to be able to throw this festival with the number of people that were buying GA passes for the cost that he thought it was going to be. And so ultimately they just said, well, it's sold out. So the only thing that you can buy now are the premium passes. I overheard a conversation, let's put up a cabana for $50,000 and see if anyone buys it. And I remember thinking, do you have a cabana to sell them? Because I'm feeling concerned that you're not thinking about that before you are putting it live on the site for someone to buy. And the whole thing sort of became an ad hoc, we're gonna sell one of one for this. We have two villas available for this. The Dolphin Villa is available for $25,000. I remember there was a $250,000 package. But those villas did not exist. The ones that had been marketed just straight up weren't not even there. Billy might have very well believed, you know, like there's got to be some company that'll set up a villa for me for super cheap. I mean, it's like, why can't we Amazon Prime this or something? Everyone seems to know that this is not going to happen. Seven days in advance, we knew that we didn't have enough accommodations for guests, and now the slippery slope begins. All right, so there you go. That's two and a half minutes to give you just a feel for what's being told of this story. If you haven't heard, the Fire Festival was a total bust, and it was an epic failure of epic proportions, to say the very least. Now, the thing is, is... With this Hulu original, it even says here that this is exploring a failed music festival turned internet meme at the nexus of social media influence, late stage capitalism, and morality in the post-truth era. And you have heard me say this before. I will say it again, and you will hear it a lot more times from me. All beliefs have consequences. It's important for us to not look at a story like this and just say, well, this is what happens in a capitalistic world, that this is late-stage capitalism at its best. This is what ultimately is going to have happen uh, when, when you give people unregulated you know, this or that or whatever the case may be. And you could even say, and, and I, I was thinking, it's like, well, gosh, maybe if you look at Billy McFarlane, Maybe Billy had this belief, I will not focus on what I do not want to have happen. Instead, I'm committed to focusing on what I do want to have happen. And if you go into it after having created a podcast episode and having some great conversations with a student and then go straight into watching this documentary as you start thinking, it's like, wait a second. However, it, I, I, the Hulu documentary goes a great deal deeper into understanding or at least exploring the nature of who Billy McFarland is as a person. And in one interview, portion of the interview that they did with him, they asked him if he was a sociopath. He's like, listen, everything I've told you is true. I've not told you anything that's not true. 
And then, of course, they play back a couple of audio clips. And, and it's clear that this guy has a distorted view of reality at the very least. And this goes beyond the whole scope of just... I will not focus on what I don't want to have happen. I'm committed to focusing on what I do want to have happen. For me, just because I say that I will not focus on what I don't want to have happen, it's not to say that I never think about the things that could go wrong. So, for example, I will tell you that when it came to the Free the Dream conference, I certainly thought about, well, what would happen if people couldn't get there because of bad weather? This is something that I have experienced with New Media Expo. I wasn't in charge of picking the dates and the location for New Media Expo, but I was the director of podcasting for that big event for several years. And when I was a part of the event that was held in January in Las Vegas, there was one year where I think it was like 40% of those who attended, including 40% of my speakers, could not make it due to a massive snowstorm. So when I was choosing the date for Free the Dream, I didn't say, well, you know what? Just pick any date in the calendar. Just February's fine. Let's put, if, if that's what, no, I said, hey, well, first of all, I don't want bad weather to get in the way. I don't want it to be too hot. I don't want it to be too cold. Given what I want to have happen, and I, and I wanted to focus on what I wanted to happen, which is to ha- make it as easy as possible for people to get in and weather not be an issue. And so that's why we chose September. You know, it's right out after the so- hot summer months are, are over, and it's way before the winter weather really kicks in. And so that is intentionally why we chose what we did. Now, the question is, is, well, what if somebody comes and they get hurt and they sue us? Well, well, let's just not focus on that. That's, that's not what this affirmation says. That's a valid concern. We want to make sure that we have the right insurance, and so we have general liability, and we made sure all the clauses covered, all of the different stipulations, I got the the legal advice that we needed. Okay, that's dealt with. Okay, and sometimes you do want to say, okay, what's the worst case scenario? You, you want to ask yourself, what could go wrong here? What is the worst case scenario? But don't focus on it after having dealt with those things. You want to ask, what is the worst case scenario? Is this something that I can control? Is this some, how likely is this to happen? Spend some time mitigating all the potential losses that you possibly can, and in good faith, make sure that you have what it takes to deliver on your promises. And this is one thing that I can tell you right now, you watch either one of these documentaries, there is no question that Billy McFarland did not have a guaranteed plan of how he was going to create what it is that he had in mind. There was no way possible that that festival could have happened Even if he didn't get kicked off of the original island, there was no way that they could have brought that infrastructure in. And so dreaming up something and saying, hey, this is going to be a great way to market my app. We're going to throw this big, huge music festival like Woodstock or Coachella or Burning Man or whatever the case may be. It it was an impossibility from the get-go if you actually watch the documentary. It, it, It... there was there was so much so many red flags that quite frankly it was it was terrible now 
With that being said, after watching the Netflix original, I still will tell you, I am a firm believer. I will not focus on what I don't want to have happen. Instead, I'm committed to focusing on what I do want to have happen. However, this is also an affirmation on my file. It is, I am committed to seeing things as they are, but never as being worse than they are. I want to say that one again. I am committed to seeing things as they are, but never worse than they are. This affirmation, this guiding principle has been a game changer for me. I used to be the guy when something went in a way that was different than my expectation, different than my plan. I used to really get bent out of shape. I'd be out and maybe having lunch with my wife or maybe even out to dinner with my family. I would get some sort of notification. Maybe I was checking in on the way back from the bathroom to the table and it never failed anytime I ever got an email that says, hey, Cliff, did you know your website is down? I can't log in. I can't get this. I was trying to buy this. It, it always immediately radically altered my emotional state. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. My website's down and I would be distracted. I wasn't present with my wife or my kids. I, it's just like, this is, this is really eating at me. I'm completely useless to my family or my wife on the way home. And then I go home and I'm working on trying to figure out what's going on here, frantically submitting support tickets, probably not breathing <laughs> as the way that I should. I'm stressed. I've got lots of anxiety. It's just, it's eating me up inside. And you know what? Dude, it's my website. Seriously, my website's down for a couple hours. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I miss a couple thousand website visitors. Oh, I know. I, yeah, that, and I used to tell myself all sorts of stories about what that meant and what was going to happen and, and all of this other stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, that, looking back, that was never really that bad. You know, I, I made it almost as though it was a life or death sort of thing. I mean, I gave that the same emotional energy as if some family emergency, some tragic thing just happened to someone I love. And I'm like, this is not how I want to live. <laughs> and, and when I came across this potential affirmation to add to my list, I'm committed to seeing things as they are, but never will I ever allow myself to see it, anything as being any worse than it truly is. Now, the thing is, is that if you look at this fire festival and you watch these documentaries, this guy refused to see things as they really were. He was surrounded by teams of people who were telling him, dude, this can't happen dude, this can't happen. And he's like, listen, if you're not a possibility person, then go. He was, see, there's a, there's a difference between the taking these affirmations, these conditioned beliefs to the extreme and becoming delusional, saying, you know what? You know, we're going to make the impossible possible. I, I can do anything. That's not the purpose of these affirmations for me, nor should they be for you. We have to look and say, hey, before we commit to this, is this possible? Can this be done? What resources? Like, for example, the Free the Dream Conference. 
one year before that event, I was already at the factory. I was I had already seen an event in that space that had about the size of the audience that I wanted when I went to Ray Edwards' event. Now, Ray Edwards and his team had created his own event, and so I knew that they put that together. The idea of creating an event after Ray's event wasn't really on my mind. It was still something that, wow, if I ever do create an event, this would be a cool place to host my first event. That was the thought that went through my mind. I was not inspired at that very moment to say, hey, I want to do an event like Ray did. I'm going to go ahead and do this. Why? Because Ray at that time had a team that put that event together. Me, I did not have a team like Ray. So therefore, the idea of me putting that together, all the things that I knew I didn't know about putting an event together, absolutely not. I was not inspired at all. But a couple months later, my friend Ray and I were actually going down to Nashville together. He had come to stay a a day or two with me here at my place. We drove down to Nashville together to attend Jeff Goins' Tribe Conference in 2017. And it was there that I ran into Matt and Lauren Brady. And I said, Matt and Lauren, what are you guys doing here? Now, Matt and Lauren Brady are the two people who are behind the scenes making sure that all of the events for my friend Ken Davis go off without a hitch. They are the event planners for Ken Davis and his SCORE conference. And he used to do a conference called the Launch Conference. And for a while, Ken Davis and Michael Hyatt teamed up and business partnered together to do a conference called Platform Conference. I had spoken at all of the platform conferences. I've been to three of the full score conferences and one of the one-day conferences. Every single one of those events were put together by Matt and Lauren Brady. I already knew them. I had a tremendous relationship with them because I know, not only did I know the experience that they created for all of the attendees for all of those events, and I was the attendee for all of the SCORE conferences, so I know how it felt as an attendee to be at an event that they put together. As a speaker, I knew how they made me feel as a speaker and uh, and the care that went into the communication there and everything about those events all came from Matt and Lauren. 100% of communication came from Matt and Lauren. And I also happen to know Ken Davis very well. I also know Michael Hyatt very well. And I also have had the opportunity to learn about their businesses and how they host events and how they all said that, man, if it wasn't for Matt and Lauren, these things wouldn't happen. So I knew all about that. And when I saw Matt and Lauren, I said, what are you guys doing here? And they says, we're putting this on. And I said, what do you mean? I thought you worked with Ken. And she said, well, you know, as Ken is slowly moving towards retirement, we're picking things up. And, and you know, we want to make sure that when he's fully retired, that we have something to fall back on. And we've created Brady Made Productions. This is our production company. And we are, we're doing events for this. We do them, you know, we contract ourselves out to Michael Hyatt, Jeff Goins, and other people like that. And I'm like, really? So you're, you're, how much of this did you put together for Jeff? And they said, everything. We, we did everything. And I asked them lots of questions about what that meant. And I sat there, I said, how many people are supposed to be here? And they said, approximately, well, everything's set up for 300. And I said there, and I said, let me ask you this. Does this mean that I could hire you to do an event like this? And they said, absolutely, Cliff, we would love to do an event for you. And I was like, hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. So let me ask you, this is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two and a half day event here in the factory, you know, right around the same time frame, I would probably host one. If I was to host an event here next year and I wanted the exact same setup weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what if I wanted all the tables set up? I wanted everything that you have here. I need to know total. What is the total amount that I would have to pay or expect to pay for everything? Like all out of expense, all all one hundred percent out of pocket expenses. How much would it cost to cover everything, including all of your fees? And they said, and they they said, well, let us look at something real quick, and we'll get back to you tomorrow morning. The very next morning, they said it would be somewhat depending on how much you're going to pay for this and this and this. It will be somewhere in the range of fifty to seventy thousand dollars. And I knew how much I was thinking about charging tickets for, and I said, and that's for 300 people, and they said, absolutely. That is awesome. Will you go ahead and find out what dates are available next year? That's when I was inspired. I was inspired when I knew that it was possible. I was inspired when I knew that it could be pulled off because I knew that I had a team, I would have a team of people, Matt and Lauren and their team, that I could hire who I knew had a proven track record for not only hosting events, but hosting multiple events in this particular space, in this venue, in this town, for these people, for this number, and they already have the relationships with the production crew, for audio, for video, for roadie crew, I mean, catering. They have all of the relationships. Everything is pretty much all done and they would handle everything. All I had to do was sell the tickets and deliver the transformational content and experience for the attendees that I knew I could create. And that's the other thing. I knew I had what it would take to create that event. Now, at some point, the Fire Festival needed to be canceled. If you watch the both documentaries, it's probably it needed to be canceled within about a week of the initial idea. It needed to be canceled before the promotion, the promotional video and the paying all the Instagram influencers and all that other stuff. It needed to be canceled before that commercial went out. However, after that commercial went out, Anywhere between there, there were so many red flags, that thing needed to be canceled. There, there was absolutely no possibility. It was never in the realm of possibility for Billy McFarland to pull off the fire Festival in the way that he had promised in the marketing. It was impossible from day one. I want you guys to understand that when we think about these things, when we're, when we're validating, it's not... See if people will pay for it and then figure out how you're going to create it. That is not what the recommendation is. The recommendation is figure out what it is that you want to offer. Make sure that you have a solid plan in place for the experience and the transformation that you will deliver. Make sure that you are absolutely certain that you can deliver on your promises. Make sure that you ask yourself briefly 
what's all the terrible things? What are the worst things that could happen? What things can we do to mitigate any potential losses? What I'm saying is before you go through all the weeks, months, and years of actually building out every minute detail, putting all that time, give yourself a leeway. Put up the sales page six weeks, eight weeks before an online course, a workshop, And then once you have a couple people who have purchased, then the product's been validated. You choose ahead of time. When you put the sales page up, how many people will it take for me to say, okay, this is validated. I'm going to go through all of the time, effort, and energy to to build this thing. And by the way, I wouldn't encourage you to put up a sales page for anything that you are not already credibly able to deliver on without tons of work. Be committed to seeing things as they truly are. Don't delude yourself. If something's going terribly wrong and this could be a deal breaker for you, then seriously consider that. Get some people around you that you trust who will speak truth to you. And by the way, specifically people who understand what it is that you're going through. If it's a live workshop, you want to get that advice from other people who've hosted live workshops. If it's an online course, get that advice from somebody who's done online courses. Do not seek the advice of whether or not something should be a deal breaker from somebody who would be too scared to ever even think of what you're doing as possible. But the people who have actually done this before, who have experienced and tell you, there's no way you could do this in this amount of time. Take that and see things for what they truly are. But on the opposite end of that, when things do go wrong, (laughs) don't blow up and make it any worse than it truly is. You definitely want to see things for what how they truly are. But don't allow yourself to get blown away and and be overly stressed out when things are really not as bad as what you're making them out to be. There is a line somewhere that that you get up to a point, and at some point, there's a difference between seeing things as as they truly are and then actually making them worse than they truly are. All right? I hope that helps you. All beliefs have consequences. And if you watch these documentaries and you come away from this with this feeling that all business is bad, this is the problem with startups. This is the problem with anybody in business. It's clear that everybody's into business is in it for the money. You know, they make all these promises. And this is is the problem with marketers and these internet companies. All they care about is milking you for every single nickel and penny and dime and quarter and $100,000. And and trust me, there are people out there like that. There's a reason why these stories make the news. And it's because it doesn't happen all the time. Yes, there are several scenarios that you could point to. And, And the reality is, is that people like this do exist in the business world. But for every one Billy McFarland who who would do the things that are reported in these documentaries, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of amazing, honorable, high-integrity business owners who create products and services that have high-ticket dollar items that are absolutely 100% worth every single penny that they charge, and they deliver on their promises. They know what they're offering. Before they begin to put the sales page up, they already know for a fact that they can deliver. I was watching a different television show, 
It's called Travelers on Netflix. And I promise you this will not include a, an actual spoiler. I, I edited it down to remove even a name. But listen to this. You've got to be careful about how we are subconsciously being manipulated to think that business is bad. Just listen to what the writers of this television show wrote into this one episode, and they made this one character say these words to help condition our minds to believe that business is bad and evil. Listen to this. Haven't you done enough? Good story is a good story. It's not personal. Hey, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really give a damn if something is true or not true. It's whether or not I can convince people to believe it. I'm not really a reporter. No. I'm a businessman. This is about money. I use my celebrity to sell things. And if I can make people believe something that's very hard to believe and that only I know the truth, I can sell them anything. And that, my friends, was from a fiction television show that is meant for entertainment. And I do enjoy watching those. But when I hear something like that, it jumps out at me and I say, that is not true. I do not believe that. I do not accept that. That may be true for some people. And that statement seems very true for a Billy McFarland, but it is not the general rule. And it does not identify myself or those who are in my life that I respect and the very profitable online businesses that they create. My friends, guard carefully what you believe, because all beliefs have consequences. And with that, my friends, I'll wrap and just tell you that if you have not done so already, head over to MindsetAnswerMan.com slash free and get your free access to the opening keynote address to the Free the Dream conference. It will tell you all about how you are developing the beliefs that you have, and it'll help you understand how the limiting beliefs that you have are holding you back from living the life for which you were created. It's free access, 100% free, and if you sign up, you'll also be invited to some very special webinars that I will be hosting throughout the year. They're incredible, life-transformational, wonderful content I want to invite you to. You can start by watching the free keynote address to the Free the Dream conference at mindsetanswerman.com slash free.